Hello, welcome back to another episode of Houston. We have a podcast. In today's episode, we, like every other person on the planet, are going to be talking about Squid Game. And then we're going to talk about some random movie news and trailers for stuff coming out. Uh, as always, stuff that I'm joined no one's by... talking about. <laughs> some people are talking about it. Snobs <laughs> on, like, uh, in LA are talking about it. Oh, okay. Which I am increasingly growing hatred to the film community that I once identified with. But that is a conversation for another day. Um, so yeah, um, no guest today, just Carson Paulo. Uh, we're talking about Squid Game, which we haven't discussed it, so I don't know what your feelings are, and I don't think you don't know what my feelings are. Um, so <laughs> how about you You start us off, and why... So let me ask you this, like, when it first came out, because I, I watched it quite late, once, like, everyone started watching it, and I, that was really the only reason, is because I kept hearing so much about it. Like, yeah, did you watch it, it early? Were you interested earlier. in, like, the first trailer, or was it because no, of the hype? No, no. I, I, I watched it slightly earlier than you, so I was also late. Um, I, I think it was kind of just because... It's, it's weird, because I usually don't watch things when there's hype about it right away. So this is one of the few things. Like, Game of Thrones, I watched when it was already done, pretty much. So as as an uh, as a comparison, so Squid Game, I don't know what it was, even especially because it's like Korean. I think, oh, you know what it was? Uh, Faye and I had uh, terrible hangovers on a Saturday, <laughs> and we wa- we just decided to watch the whole season in one day. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably what it was. So you, I, I I can thank alcohol <laughs> for it. Um, but I mean, it wasn't a bad decision. So I mean, I'll just tell you what I I liked it. Um, it was, I mean, I think everyone has problems with the ending. I have a small problem with the ending. It's not super like unique. It's a, I think you mentioned before when we were talking about doing this podcast, but like, it's a, it's a very common concept, but I think it's carried by, uh, the characters and a bit of cleverness. Um, and, um, sorry, when I say characters, like, you, you actually care about the characters and like some of them. Um, strangely, strangely enough, even though one of them is like a complete dirtbag, but he's the main guy. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's clever. Uh, it looks cool. <laughs> um, I don't want to like visually. Uh, I think that's part of it. And it's just it's memeable which I think is a big thing. And not personally for me, but like it just adds to the whole craze about it. Um, because you can't scroll down Instagram without seeing mm. something about Squid Game every two posts. Um, and uh, actually it ruined one of the episodes for me. Because <laughs> I was scrolling through Instagram while I was watching like halfway through the season. And it just kind of... I. I I got a clue that okay, you know what? Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going full spoilers for this. Yeah, everyone's probably watched it. Um, and, and if you're listening to this podcast, you you know we go spoiler full, full in spoilers from the beginning. But uh, the, the the brown dude, uh, the Pakistani dude. Um, I mean, it wasn't even like he's gonna die. It's just like a picture of him looking sad on Instagram. Is like okay, the only reason you would post this is because he's gonna die. So. That would have been a bummer to have that one spoiled because that was like my favorite episode and probably one of my more favorite moments of that. Yeah. Um, me, similar to you, I started quite late. I had initially heard like people were starting to talk about it and 
there's there's a lot of trash that goes on Netflix, especially when it comes <laughs> to stuff that's like violent or sci-fi. And so I took a look at it and there was the promo on and I was like, nope, I'm not going to watch that. Um, because I don't have a lot of time these days. I just had a baby and I had like half an hour a day to watch stuff after she sleeps at the end of the day. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to spend my precious time watching this stuff. Um, it reminded me of, there was another Korean, I forgot if it was a TV show or a movie about like space junkers that came out recently. Anyway, and, and it just like, it looked like, you know, maybe decent production quality and stuff that wasn't going to interest me very much. So I also didn't care much at first, and then there were so many people talking about it that I'm like, okay, I'll at least try it. Um, and then I, I got interested in it because of the general concept, um, and I was like, this is this is enough to kill some time at the end of the day. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know whether I would say I liked it or not, because I have, I, I think I generally enjoyed it, and if nobody else was talking about it, I probably would have said like, yeah, here's a show I found on Netflix and check it out. It's It's got some interesting things. But because yeah. so many people are talking about it and raving about it, there's like this instinctual part of my mind that says, it's not that good, everybody. Um, but that's just me being <laughs> kind of an asshole, I guess. Well, that's kind of like the Bird Box effect, right? Like Bird Box was a huge craze from Netflix, but it mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was enjoyable to watch, but I, I, I just thought like, this isn't, it's not great, but. I, I can see why. It's just like it's it's hype. It's one hundred percent a hype trade. Yeah, I, I had some different expectations going into it than what it was, which I think helped me like it a bit more. Um the way that it was sold to me by somebody was that it was basically like Battle Royale, which it's not. Uh Battle Royale is a very different movie. Um and then I guess the other one that people compared it to is Hunger Games, which is again very different because Hunger Games is a bunch of political and YA stuff. Um, well, this is like kind of political too, or maybe like class. Sure, class. sure. Um, but I think the movie I would compare it more to is probably Running Man, um, okay. just because oh, yeah. it's more about entertaining deaths and like competitions and stuff like that. Um, but even like when I first started watching, I was like, okay, these are like some funny, uh, funny ways to kill people, but you can't, you can't hold a show for an entire season just on entertaining deaths. Um, and then I started to be interested in the characters. And then once you passed the marble episode, I basically, I thought, <laughs> how is this going to end? And I basically predicted everything that was going to happen. Cause it's like, at that point, there's not really much else you can do. Um, and then, okay. but I still enjoyed on, the deaths. So at that point I was like, oh, okay. It is being held down just by entertaining deaths. Yeah. Okay. You did not know that it was the old guy all I did. along from the first episode. Oh. What? Because he does the red light, green light, and then everybody is running and panicked and dies, and then he goes running out, and I was like, "There's something up with this guy." And then, oh, I, because I took that as like he's just like an old like I guess I just fell into the 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 trap that they said is just like oh he's just an old guy and he's like maybe a little crazy. Well, so so at that point I didn't like I suspected. I'm not going to say like I knew he was at some point, but then yeah when they introduced the front man as the front man, then it's like, okay, at some point there's going to be a reveal about somebody bigger. And there's not like, there's not many different people that you can do a big reveal with. My, my thoughts were either it was going to be the old man or they were going to reveal a, a famous Korean actor in that role <laughs> that everyone would know, which they turned out doing just in a different role and as the front man instead. Um, right. Which I was not expecting Lee Byung-hun, because when I was trying to predict 
it was right after the Marvel episode where they mention Lee Byung-hun and his movies in the context of the show. So I'm like, it's weird to have somebody played by a character <laughs> that you are acknowledging as an actor in the world. Yeah. Um, but well, then, yeah, you kind of know that the bully is going to get beat by the woman who gets his revenge. And then, you know, that Sang-woo is going to be the evil bad guy at the end of it. But the, I guess the one thing that I would have predicted differently was I thought the girl would have survived because, as you mentioned, our main character is not a very likable person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he, but he also has like a, a redemption. I mean, that's a built-in redemption arc, which he never really gets redemption. I mean, he kind of does because he's like his whole thing is about he's he's gambling and he he isn't a good father and then he just leaves his daughter again at the end of the continues to be a bad father yeah it's like he learned nothing which i mean i okay i guess that's different um and they have to have season two because everyone else is dead um but um and actually on on that note this is why i wanted to bring this up and it's completely stupid but i told you about this uh, when we're comparing Squid Game to other things, you said The Running Man. Um, I want to talk about this 2012 movie, uh, Would You Rather, <laughs> which I also saw on Netflix. And it's one of the like those trash things that you mentioned before. Like, it's not that bad, but it's also nothing special. And it's um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure no one has seen it. But it's the same concept. Like, this rich guy, he brings these people in, like these down-on-their-luck people to play a game and it's would you literally would you rather like get beat by a stick or like electrocuted and then it keeps going until one everyone's dead um and there's one person left to collect the prize money so like exact almost exactly same concept um and the the one like the main thing that i connected to squid game like right at the end which i predicted that um the main guy's mother was going to be dead when she when he came back because in would you rather uh the main girl who's um who's who's playing the game uh she's doing this for her brother who he's like sick he needs i don't know he, he, younger brother uh, he has some sort of medical condition and then she does this for him and then she kills like the last guy who uh i don't know they had some sort of thing going on throughout the game so she gives him up just to save her brother, and then she comes home and her brother's dead. And I was like, "Did he? Did he watch? What's his name? The director? Uh, which one's the director? I I sorry, Korean name. Squid like, Game. Me. I I don't recognize him as having done anything. I I I've actually I think I looked up his credits on IMDb and I have seen one of his other movies, The Fortress. Um, but I okay. don't really recall him. Oh, okay. But yeah, you're well, saying yeah. he he basically copied this terrible Maybe. Netflix movie. No, he did. <laughs> Maybe not copied, but like you know, he he said it's been working on it for ten years, right? Like <laughs> he it, he saw Would You Rather, and he was like, <laughs> I can do this better. Yeah, and he was like, No one's watching this anyway. I'll make it better, and uh, I'll become rich and famous, uh, famous Korean director, and uh, probably I don't know. Uh, run this for seven seasons until everyone hates it. But yeah, that, That's a good question of what do you think is going to, because obviously they are going to make more seasons of this, but where do you think it's going to go and how popular do you think it will be? So I'm going to use, I mean, 
this is a worst case scenario. I'll do worst case scenario and best case scenario of what I think. Worst case scenario, I'm going to call back to one of the comparisons that you heard, which is Battle Royale. Have you ever seen Battle Royale 2? No, I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. <laughs> it is like they tried to do the same thing, but bad. Um, and I think he's just going to play the game again. I mean, worst case scenario, he plays the game again, and it's just the same thing, but bad. Um, because, I don't know, do you think he's been, the director's been writing more than one season for 10 years? Like, he kind of, he probably has, like, a, a timeline now, or a, a, a ticking clock mm-hmm. to, to get the next season out. So, I don't know. I, it, it depends on how, how talented he is, I guess. And then what best case scenario is, I don't know, actually. That's tough. So here's what I'd like to see from a season two, and I know it's not going to happen, but since we're discussing it, um, in the show, when the VIPs come, they they kind of said something that this was the Korea season or the Korea edition of it, which doesn't really make sense because the whole thing's run by the Korean old man. Uh, But I guess he could have done it in other countries before, and this was his first time bringing it to Korea. Um, But yeah, like I'd love to see them do it in another country, in another language. Um, How you would get you know, Gihan back into the story. I don't know because they're also still recruiting people from Korea at the end of the the season. Um, yeah. But it would be great to just hand it off to some other director um, to have their own version of it and just say, "Hey, here's games," and you can have slight, you know, threads that link the seasons. But you can just kind of do this various things. Um, so there's going to then... be an American one in English <laughs> with all. American actors. <laughs> I, I wouldn't no be surprised, sense. actually. Yeah. Um, but I'd also like to see, like, because in this show there is a main character, you know who's going to be there at the end. And one thing that I think really works in reality shows is when you have, like, say, 16 contestants, and, it, and you let the audience figure out for themselves who they want to cheer for, and you don't know who's going to win. And so... Mm-hmm. I'd love to see kind of a protagonist neutral show that it's like, you don't necessarily know who's going to be there at the end because you're following so many different characters at first, that would be quite hard to do. So I can't imagine they would do that. Um, Cause I think what they've set up for themselves as a franchise is let's find funny ways to kill people. And that's <laughs> what they're going to do. And they're going to have kind of the basic amount of plot that they need to string that along. Well, it's not necessarily like funny ways to kill people. Like I, I think it, it was—I don't know—it's—it's it's close because it's—it's tied to the games. But really, when they're killing people, they're just getting shot, right? Like the 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 deaths themselves weren't that creative. I think it was just the whole package of the games combined that made it. But I mean, otherwise, like I don't—I don't really disagree. I but it would be tough like i can't even think of an example of when that's been done before like the closest thing is maybe like um game of thrones because there wasn't really a main i mean there were were kind of main parties that you were following but you the 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 big thing at the end was like no one really knew who was going to end up on top Mm -hmm. so you could kind of cheer for different people Um, i would say the wire did that pretty successfully but that's also the best tv show ever made then that's hard to hold other shows up to that standard because that's a pretty hard thing to accomplish um peace omar (laughs) but i'd love to see an attempt at it yeah no i mean especially for something like squid game i would definitely appreciate that um 
Because otherwise there's not uh, a lot of suspense. Because you know who's going to be there at the end. I mean, they could kill off the red-haired guy next season. That's true. But then the, there'll be no one recognizable. <laughs> I mean, there was no one recognizable at the beginning of this season. They built these characters, so... Oh, no, that's what I meant. Like, the, the characters are built. I mean, and, the characters, all the characters they built are dead. And clearly you have a uh, Lee Byung-hun character who's going to run the show now, and that's a big enough name to kind of carry people along. You think uh, the brother, his brother's going to come back? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, actually, because we never watched him die, really. He just kind of fell off the cliff, if I remember correctly. That was another yeah. reason why I knew the old man was going to be kind of the guy running it, is in that Marvel episode, they showed everyone else getting shot, but they had the old man die off screen. And I was like, no, nah, he didn't die. No, actually, they. Um, I think I read this recently. They only, or I, I watched like one of those YouTube things you missed <laughs> in Squid Game, but like I think only two people, they only showed two people getting shot in the Marvel episode. And really? They did. They didn't even show Ali um, get shot. Maybe not correctly. Ali, but the the girl they showed, and yes. the guy that um, Doc Su was up against, like the two bad guys, he got like the shot bad. a bunch of times with machine guns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I don't remember many of the other ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, either regardless, I don't know. Even even when the uh, when the old guy, like the Marble episode. I don't know if I was just maybe completely along for the ride at that point um, or pissed about the spoiler that I saw, but I just, I didn't really suspect him until like right before, like he got the card again. I was like, Oh, it probably is the old guy, which kind of sucked. Like, I don't know. Unless you didn't like I, that twist. No, I mean, cause it's, it's very basic, right? Like, I mean, you called it from way earlier. I think, I don't know. I, I, I just can't improve on it unless it was like the girl. <laughs> I just... Yeah, like I, I wouldn't have mind if they had, like, because obviously they were setting themselves up that it was a reveal at some point of like, that's when you do a reveal that's going to link to future seasons and just have someone get away. Yeah. Um, like, I'd love to see it just have resolved, like, you know, uh, you know, mud fight in the rain with knives and you know the end of that and that's you finish it because they finish that and then there's another like half hour and it you know it's good to have closure but they didn't really do much with it which would be my complaint um whereas if you're going to set up another season you could have just as easily like had a reveal and then be like okay he gets off on a boat <laughs> you know do whatever you want for season two yeah or they should have made ali the, the <laughs> mastermind behind everything <laughs> That would be it's, the biggest flip. You you need to have those characters that you feel sad about dying. And I kind of, like, you could kind of tell from him at the beginning that he was that person you feel bad for. And so <laughs> yeah. they're going to use that to kind of, you know, ring your emotions out at some point. But I, I wasn't expecting how they did it. So that was, yeah. that was a good episode. I like that one. Neither did he. But... Uh... <laughs> Um, and on that note, like they, they did a really good job, I think, with that girl who was only there for like two episodes because mm -hmm. they made her a really good, sad that she's going to die type character mm -hmm. within like 30 minutes, which was cool, I thought. Yeah. Uh, that was a quick and nice uh, arc. Okay. I mean, I have, I, I think we've exhausted Squid Game. Like yeah. in combination with all the other people that are talking about it. 
Yeah, but, I don't uh, have much else to say about it. Well, we can leave it alone until Halloween when you see all those guards and contestants <laughs> running around. Uh, I saw an advertisement for Lego characters of those, and I debated getting them. Oh, Lego? Okay, that I haven't seen yet. I've seen like the costumes already being like put up on those on those ads. Uh, funny enough, so my wife orders Korean food every once in a while, and we have had issues like ordering it this last time. And she was suspecting that it's because everyone was trying to get the uh, the honeycomb <laughs> stuff for Halloween. <laughs> Is that? Can you buy that from like rest I think Korean so. restaurants? Yeah. Oh my god, that would be a fun Halloween party. <laughs> and then you actually uh, shoot the losers. <laughs> The losers. Um, we're uh, we're talking about a lot of TV shows nowadays. Yeah, we sold out. <laughs> we we didn't stick to our guns on that one. Um, but that is a good segue to start talking about movies again. And despite the fact that I have not watched a movie in months, uh, we can talk about the potential of watching movies because there's a lot of interesting trailers coming out recently. So <laughs> I have a few that I want to talk about. Um, the first of which uh, is a movie called Red Rocket. Uh, Red Rocket is directed by Sean Baker, who also did uh, The Florida Project, uh, which everyone talked about, and I think Willem Dafoe got nominated for an Oscar for. Um, and he also did Tangerine, which everyone talked about because it was a movie that was shot on an iPhone. And everyone talked about it as if he just took his iPhone out one day and walked around the streets and made a movie. Um, obviously, he's an actual film director who lit his scenes properly and had like you know motion stabilization for his iPhone. Um, I don't know whether it was Apple who was promoting that so much, but it was not obviously not just an iPhone. Um, but he's a really good director. And despite the fact that it's on an iPhone, Tangerine is a really good movie. Um, so is The Florida Project because of his ability to kind of capture uh i guess like poor communities in america and like people who have like non-traditional lifestyles and like, make them work really well um he's also really good at taking people who are not actors and making them actors um in florida project he took that instagram girl and said you know got a really good performance from her uh brooklyn Pr prince who is now like she was the little girl in that movie he famously found her at a grocery store which I think her parents should have had a lot of red flags by some guy coming up to her and of, saying, yeah, that's say, weird, that kind of... but it was legit. Um, I think the people in Tangerine, like two of the main actors also were not like regular actors. And then, and so going back to Red Rocket, this movie is about a washed up porn star who returns to a small town and tries to have like a legit career. Um, I believe, and I haven't done a ton of research on this yet, but the main actor is an actual ex porn star. Um, his IMDb credits also include the scary movies, not the even the first one, but like the latter ones. So oh, I think he God. has attempted to do acting, but he Superhero hasn't done anything. Yeah. He was credited as Jewish Superman in a movie called Racist Superman. Uh, so <laughs> despite the fact that he has acting credits, I'm just going to consider him not an actual actor. Um, but anyway, the trailer looks good. Uh, I believe in Sean Baker's ability to get a performance from these people. Um, I don't know really what the story is about other than like the high level stuff, but it looks interesting. So I'm putting that in my cautiously optimistic category for whenever this movie comes out, which I don't even know if it's coming out sooner or if it's later. Well, parents, let that be a lesson to you. If a, if a guy approaches <laughs> you um, 
<laughs> on the street asking if you or your children want to be in a movie, always say yes. <laughs> it could have worked out so poorly. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm probably going to be silent for the next <laughs> That's fine. Minutes. That's fine. I have a lot to say, so... Next movie well, I want to talk about. <laughs> we will get there. Uh, the next movie I want to talk about is the Souvenir Part Two, and in order to talk about this, I have to spoil the Souvenir Part One. Um, so the Souvenir Part One, uh, the lead actress is Tilda Swinton's daughter, um, and I don't know if it's one of her first movies, but I think the most notable role that she's done. Um, it also stars Tilda Swinton as either her mom or her grandma because she's dressed in like old lady makeup. Um, but it's basically the story of a character who is like a film school student. Um, and then she's in a relationship with a guy who's like a older gentleman, wears suits all the time, works for the government, always traveling with like the foreign department. So he's like this classy guy. And the movie is basically about her having a relationship with him and slowly figuring out that he's a crack addict. Um, and that he's like stealing her jewelry and like asking for money from her grandma and ultimately ends in, uh, him being wasted in front of her and her seeing like everything that he is and then her kicking him out. And then he like dies from an overdose. Classic. (laughs) Part two is about her as a film school student now making a movie about him. And like from the trailer, it looks like her romanticizing him and all the like almost believing all the lies that he told her and kind of like making him like a a good person in hindsight. And for me, that's an interesting concept of like, as someone who has lost a family member and seen a memories kind of take their own life afterwards to kind of see that in a movie I'm interested in kind of right there. Also souvenir part one is a really, really well-made movie, well-acted. So, but I think I I have to be careful with movies like this because sometimes I want a movie to be something and that's not at all what the movie wants to be. And then I get disappointed by what it's not through no fault of the movie because the movie was never going to be that. It's just like, here's what (laughs) I wanted it to be. Um, So anyway, despite the fact that I have ruined the souvenir part one for everyone listening to this, I still recommend watching it because it's one of those things that it's not driven by surprises. Like you can know exactly what's going to happen and it's still a good movie. Um, and I would also recommend the souvenir part two, despite the fact that I have never watched it. So I, I have recommend checking it out. I have two things to say about that. One, Tilda Swinton's daughter looks nothing like her. And two, do you think, uh, this is the next, um, big franchise. They're going to make seven of these, uh, souvenir movies. It'll it's... be the, uh, fast and furious of indie movies. I, so I know you say that jokingly when it came out, like they didn't call the first one, the souvenir, they called it the souvenir part one. It it was always the intent to make this as a two part movie. Um, and I, I love the idea of filmmakers making trilogies that are not traditional. Um, like the good, the bad and the ugly trilogy. That was technically a trilogy of movies that never really connect. They just have sort of the same character. Um, you also have like, Ingmar Bergman made his Spider God trilogy in the 60s, which is like three completely unrelated movies that are just about religion. Um, And so I love when people make multiple movies to try to express a certain point. Um, So right on board, like 
I was on board with the souvenir when I heard they were making a part two, despite the fact that I'd never seen it. Because I, I was like, okay, they're trying to do something here. That's not just the Fast and the Furious part 10. <laughs> well, that's uh, more uh, more detail than I expected when I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> but still interesting. <laughs> Uh, I'm also trying to look up right now who uh, Honor Swinton's father is because obviously he looks nothing like his, or she looks not nothing like her mom. Um, I don't know who this guy is. So, <laughs> okay. You know, a side note, uh, not really related to anything we're talking about so far, but uh, my uh, my top ten that I was looking forward to this year is just in shambles. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into it more in December when we when we do a recap. But man, man, did I s- strike out! <laughs> uh, speaking about movies that I'm probably going to be wrong about, um, the next movie I want to talk about is Spencer, uh, which is the Princess Diana quote unquote biopic starring Kristen Stewart. Um, is that her? Yeah. Holy I, shit. I've talked about this for a couple episodes now. Um, no, actually, maybe okay. I haven't. But what I wanted to bring up about this movie was the fact that this is a movie that I probably shouldn't like, that for some reason I am being tricked into thinking I will like, um, which reminds me of another movie this year, Annette, which I had talked about for a few episodes and we have never done a review of. I don't know if we will at some point. But basically my review of Annette is it's a musical I don't know what I was expecting, but it was a musical. Um, and the trailers were really good, and I liked all the people involved, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll like this one. And then, not really. Um, and so, Spencer, I like Kristen Stewart as an actress. I like the projects she takes. Uh, Pablo Lorraine, who directs it, also directed a Jackie movie with Natalie Portman that was quite good. Um, and it also has the cinematographer from Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which, if you haven't seen it, is probably one of the better-looking movies of the past few years. Just really good cinematography. So there's a lot of really good people involved. Um, The trailers that just came out, there was a teaser and then a full trailer that just came out the other day. Looks like an interesting topic of, like, uh, Princess Diana not fitting in with the royal family and kind of being felt like she's pressured to fit in and all that. Um, So it's it looks quite interesting, but the closer I get to it, the more I feel like I'm just going to be disappointed. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, when is this coming out? I assume in time for the Oscar season. Oh, of course. Um, not that Kristen Stewart is without faults. Uh, she did the Charlie's Angels movies, which I have not seen, but I'm just going to take a guess and saying it was not very good. Well, there was only one. Wait, is there more than one? I actually no. saw it. Uh, no, there's, there's just the one. I don't know if I said plural, but yeah, just the one. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, was she any good in it? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It's probably not. I'm sure, sign. I'm sure she was fine. Just the movie as a whole was bad. Was Jasmine from Aladdin any better? They're all they're all kind of the same. I think Kristen's okay. I remember Kristen Stewart more because she was supposed to be like a cool. I don't know if she was supposed to be like a stoner, like too cool for school type Charlie's Angel, but she's it was it was just it, it wasn't good. 
I, rem- I remember the ending. Oh, all I remember, the only other thing I remember about the movie is that the ending, there's like a big party and then they lure the bad guy. And then I think they, like he thinks he's, it's like he thinks he has the upper hand on the Charlie's Angels and then the lights shut off and then all the men in the party are gone, I think. <laughs> I could be misremembering this, but all that's left are all the women in the party and then they all turn out to be Charlie's Angels. <laughs> And they're like, there's a whole like, oh, we're better than you, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. The, I could be wrong. Um, Sounds just about what I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing more research on the Spencer as we're talking about this. I see that he also wrote uh, Lock, which is a movie from Tom Hardy where he's in a car the whole time, um, which is still an interesting movie considering it's one person in one setting for an hour and a half. So credit to him as a writer um also did pawn sacrifice which is a uh was it toby mcguire or elijah wood who played bobby fisher as like i think it's toby, toby mcguire yeah so that that was quite good so anyway there, there's stuff to look forward to here we'll see <laughs> maybe we'll do a review of that once it actually happens uh the fourth and final movie i wanted to talk about is licorice pizza which talking about our top 10 most anticipated lists of the year, this was on mine, but at that was point it, really? it did not have a title. So it was called Soggy Bottom. Oh. So I had Soggy Bottom on my, I think it was number four on my list and it has since been retitled to Licorice Pizza. Um, I didn't know much about it when I put it on that list. I really just put it based on the strength of Paul Thomas Anderson, who has done like There Will Be Blood and Punch Drunk Love and Magnolia, a bunch of really, really good movies. Um, and also, I knew that it starred Cooper Hoffman, son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, who collaborated with Paul Thomas Anderson on a couple movies. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, it also has uh, interesting side actors. Um, it has the waitress from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Not that I'm crediting her acting skills, but I thought that was funny. Benny Safty, <laughs> who has done a bunch of interesting stuff recently. Um, he did Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. He was the director of that, as well as Good Time with Robert Pattinson a couple of years before. Um, he's just involved in a lot of interesting stuff these days. So I started seeing people I liked and I was like, okay, I'm interested. Uh, trailer came out. I still don't really know much of what it's about, but I'm still interested, um, which I like because I was talking about the souvenir where it's like you see something and you have an immediate expectation of what you want it to be. I have no expectation of what I want licorice pizza to be. It can just be its own thing and I'll probably enjoy it. Um, uh, people talk about this main actress, Alana Haim, as part of some singing group. I have no idea who that is. Okay, so this is why I wanted to talk about okay. it. <laughs> because I actually really love Haim. That's the band that she's in, um, which is completely random. Like I, I don't think I know anyone else who likes their music. <laughs> And it's a band of three sisters, and she's one of them. Um, and I did – so I saw the trailer on YouTube. I'm sorry if I cut you off. I don't know no, if you had more thoughts. But I saw the trailer on YouTube, and I noticed – like, I recognized her right away because um, she has a very distinct face. And I'll talk about more about that later. That sounds bad, but <laughs> it's not. I swear. Um, but, yeah, I recognized her, and I was like, oh, that, that's amazing. She's in a movie. And then I, I watched the trailer, even though this is – typically not the type of movie that I would be interested in. And um, I mean, I looked interesting enough and just, I noticed like all the side, uh, the interesting side actors that you mentioned or some of them that were in the trailer. It looked in, um, 
appealing. And then I did research, and apparently Paul Thomas Anderson directed uh, a lot of their music videos. That In researching this podcast, I brought that up because I was looking at Paul Thomas Anderson because I wanted to correctly say what his other stuff yeah. was. And then I was like, oh, he's done a bunch of music videos for them. Yeah. So, which I, I have also seen many of <laughs> and enjoy. Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought that was uh, really interesting. Like, I guess he thought she, she's always, always seemed more of like the, the quirky sister. I mean, the quirky of three quirky sisters. Mm-hmm. So he probably saw that and decided like, hey, yo, do you want to be in a movie or something? I mean, better conversation, obviously. <laughs> he walked up to her in the supermarket and with her parents and like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I, I mean, just, oh, sorry. And the what I was going to say about her distinct face, when I was watching the, the trailer on YouTube, I felt really bad because like 80% of the comments we're talking about how ugly she was. And I was like, fuck off, man. <laughs> just to myself. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what else I had to say about that. But it was just super interesting because I love the band. And and she's in a movie. So are, are the music videos that he's directing any good? Because this is like one of the best directors of our generation doing music videos. So, I mean, they're okay. Like, the, the three that... Um, that I'm most familiar with um, that he's done are pretty different from the other ones that I've seen. So like, yeah, so sorry, that's a roundabout way of saying the three that I've seen are, 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 no, I'm just saying exactly what I said. (laughs) Um, The three that I've seen are like, you can, I guess looking at this now, I can tell that it's a similar style um, compared to, I don't know the other two or three that I've seen from them. Um, they're I don't I, I, they're good I guess like that kind of uh, I, I don't know what you what kind of style you'd have you'd describe him as having like can you I don't know do you what 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 would you describe his style as? And that's really difficult to say because Paul Thomas Anderson he's definitely more art artistic but he he rambles he wanders a lot okay i think it's it it lends that style lends itself better to like a short music video um because i mean well one it's not even a story but well one of them is but it's just it's artsy i guess i'll 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 show you two of the or actually whoever's listening if anyone's listening (laughs) um the two uh, in particular that I think they're the most more recent ones that I can definitely identify that it would be this kind of director would uh, are the the ones uh, Summer Girl and Now I'm In It, uh, and then there's a third one that apparently he's done which is the, which are the Steps and that's kind of different that's a little more fun and like uh, uh, jokey because it has um, I think one of the guys from Lonely Island you know Andy Samberg's mm-hmm. uh, yeah music like band funny band um and that's just like for laughs uh still good good songs watch all three of them anyway i guess decide for yourself i don't know let me know how you feel about their music too because that's uh, (laughs) i i listened to one song before this podcast and i was like nope and i shut it off (laughs) which one was it (laughs) i don't remember but maybe i will i will check out three or four different songs now uh because i didn't expect them to be a band that you liked but 
I will no one, I'll check out no a few one more. ever does. And I, I bring them up to people because of that for like for that reason, because I just think it's it's a riot that this is not a band that anyone would think that I would listen to, unless you know me, because I listen to the most random things. But but uh, going back to both Paul Thomas Anderson, like it is an interesting trend that happens with kind of the more auteur directors out there of people who just decide to start directing music videos later in their career. Um, because uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has done that with, I think he did Radiohead as well. He also did a documentary called Junin or Junin, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but it's basically just an hour of him with some, I, I don't know if it's Sri Lanka or somewhere in that part of the world, maybe in India, where it's just like people riffing music for an hour. And there's no like coherent plot to the movie. Um, also, Andrew Dominic has gone in that direction. Uh, Andrew Dominic, who did Assassination of Jesse James, and also is coming out with the um, uh, what's her name, Marilyn Monroe biopic later this year that I've been talking about. Like he also did um, Nick uh, Nick Cave, who you thought was Nick Cage last time we talked about it. Um, <laughs> he did like a, a documentary on that. Um, Martin Scorsese has done a few like music-based documentaries, so it's just like I don't know. It's an interesting trend that people just decide to stop making narrative films and be like, okay, I'm just gonna shoot music videos now. Yeah, well, like not. I mean, Edgar Wright also has done one for Beck, which was really cool. It had Alison Brie in it. I mean, mm -hmm. he's obviously not just making the transition completely, but uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, I've, I've never made that connection before, but yeah, it's cool. Maybe they just feel more freedom in that. I don't know. I know. There's well, there's I'm much less pressure, I guess, in making a music video, right? I I feel like no one watches music videos nowadays because every time I, I like to play them when I have people over and just instead of just having music playing in the background with no visuals. Uh and then people always end up looking at the music videos and being like, Wow, I've never watched a music or like I haven't watched a music video in a long time. And I feel like it's just a dead dead medium which is of. odd because there's so much of them on youtube these days like so many people listen to music on youtube that it's like yeah the, the videos are there yeah yeah maybe, I don't know. maybe I, the analytics are just saying like oh everyone loves to watch music on youtube so they must like the video that's the thing that they like where people just <laughs> want to listen to free music yeah well i hope it keeps going because i like i love music videos but it, it, it well we're we went from tv shows <laughs> to like music videos I mean, I'll, I'll stop it there I don't know. I don't want to go too far on this tangent. The uh, the last thing I'm going to say about trailers is one more, and I don't have much to say about it, that there's a trailer that came out for a movie called The Humans. Um, and the only reason I bring it up is because it co-stars Amy Schumer in a dramatic role. And I like <laughs> when comedians kind of step out of their shell and do something different. And it looks like she's still playing like a quirky character, but uh, looks interesting. Uh, I think it's based on like a play, so I'm sure it'll be like a well-acted movie. It's got... Stephen Young, Richard Jenkins, and uh, what's his name's sister that we found out? Jeannie Feldstein. Oh, <laughs> the girl from Booksmart. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Oh, you know, a, a cool connection between, because I saw the trailer for um, The Humans as well, because mm -hmm. uh, I follow Stephen Young on Instagram. But uh, June Squibb is also in that movie. And June Squibb is also in Would You Rather from 2012. <laughs> it's come full circle. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like uh, poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, 
that's a good place to end it off. We will uh, be back with some random subject that is hopefully not TV at some point. We will start watching movies again eventually. I plan to bring us back uh, after No Time to Die comes out <laughs> because I'm. it's one of the last few uh, hopes that I have on my top 10. <laughs> and uh, uh, Anna Diarmas is in it, and she is the best. <laughs> We're getting to the end of the year. This is supposed to I be know. a good time of year. Oh, yeah. The further away you get from January? Yes. But then again, <laughs> we are also close to January. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a paradox. All right. We'll end it there. See you again next episode.